okay, well, I've got that plan, but I don't have enough dollars to put into it. Um, and they don't take advantage of, of putting those dollars away for their, you know, for themselves, for their key employees, for the family members and tax deducting that um, and ultimately lowering their taxable income. And there's a whole other slew of good, you know, tax planning ideas that we could go down a rabbit hole um, and discuss that people don't take advantage of. But um, that's that's kind of what I mean. I, I see that so often where either they're not paying themselves or not paying themselves what they should be paying themselves. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Frank. Frank, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Awesome. So give everybody the highlight of who you are and what you do for business. So I am currently a... Um, financial advisor by trade, um, but I also have a kind of hybrid <clears throat> institutional uh, real estate arm. So, you know, we probably about 15 years ago, I got out of the restaurant hospitality business and kind of went all in on this um, after kind of identifying a, a gap in the industry where I felt like there was a lack of proactive, independent, objective advice for the fast moving entrepreneur. And I could kind of relate to, you know, running our restaurants and how busy we were. And unless somebody was putting me in a metaphorical headlock to show us proactive planning ideas, um, we were missing a lot of opportunities. So I said, Hey, you know, I think, I think I can kind of package this and focus on a certain type of entrepreneur um, where again, I'd say we focus on more quality than quantity. So we have a lot of clients that are in the growth phase of their business where they're kind of starting out. Um, and then all the way up to the ultra affluent entrepreneur that's, um, you know, accumulated a large degree of wealth and what ideas can we introduce to that individual to put a moat or two around the fortress and make sure that whatever their goals are and whatever they want to leave to their heirs or uh, people they care about, they do and and don't give too much to the federal and state governments. <laughs> Love that. So when it comes to kind of estate planning and things, and you're looking at the businesses, what are you seeing as the biggest problem that most small businesses have or restaurants specifically? So I would say that, um, you know, for a small business that's starting out, you know, estate planning is low on the list of like planning ideas. Um, they're more in, Hey, how do we make money? How are we sustainable? How do we save money in income taxes, that type of thing. But for the right type of business that has that potential to be, you know, a large asset down the road, um, they could or should be looking at ideas where, you know, they can recapitalize a business potentially and, you know, you know, do, do things to not affect the day-to-day -day operations. But if that business that's worth 1 million or 5 million today is going to be worth 50 down the road, I know that's hard to project, but how do we kind of, you know, take some of that value off of the balance sheet, so to speak, and park that into a, you know, a trust or a limited partnership or something where if that business grows to a substantial value down the road, that piece that we, you know, removed from a taxable estate is now, you know, excluded from 
you know, potential estate tax exposure. Right. So I think we'll get into the kind of once you have capital and you're you built it, what do you do with it? How do you keep it away from the feds as much as possible? Because obviously money in your hands is going to be more useful to being able to pay them more money later down the road than it is if it's in their hands first off. But let's talk about kind of the the smaller guys, the guys that are hustling, grinding, and, and they they're pinching pennies to save a dollar because you know, when you're starting a business, it is rough, especially the restaurant business where your margins are so low. And then you got staff mm -hmm. that's stealing money from you and you got guests that are complaining about stuff that they shouldn't be complaining about. Like, I totally get the restaurant business to say to somebody, hey, you got to set aside a couple of hundred dollars a month for, <laughs> for this. They're going, are you kidding me? Like, how am I going to do that? What, yeah. what do you, how do you answer that end in Kind of how do you work with that crazed mindset that I know is there of yeah, I'll do it when I have the money. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's easy to say and it's an easy default for a young business owner that's saying, hey, I just can't do it. Um and oftentimes I ask that question, you know, are you sure you can't do it? Do you really understand like what your budget is? Not not all you know, not all within the business, but outside of the business. Like, are there really, are you true? Have you really truly done a self-assessment of where all your dollars are going either within the business or outside the business? And if you can honestly say, Hey, there's absolutely no way that I can set aside a hundred dollars or $200 a month, then, you know, we may have bigger problems, but Exactly. Oftentimes when I push back on that, they come back and say, okay, well, yeah, I, I, I think I could cut here or cut there. And then, you know, you, you got to start saving, like start small. You know, if, if it's not a hundred dollars, start with 50, you know, do an auto withdrawal from your account. So they're not high profile dollars that you're seeing that you want to spend, that you want to do stuff with, and it's just gone. And then when you realize you can survive that, go to a hundred then go to 200 then go to 500, 1,000. I, I did that, honestly. When I left the restaurant business, um, I kind of had a falling out with my family and partners and I left with very little. So <clears throat> I was preaching this to my clients as a financial advisor and I wasn't doing it myself at first. And I had to kind of go through that and did that and realized I was, you know, spending money on trivial stuff and ultimately when I was doing that savings, you know, you're, you're going to run into a rainy day sometime. And I was shocked at how much money I was accumulating in that account, which really did help me with some unforeseen costs, things, things along there. But um, once you do that budget or self-assessment and you can kind of see, Hey, here's where these dollars should go. Here's what I can really save in my personal life, my business life. Um, then it's, you know, what am I doing for my business? Where are my dollars going? And a lot of times I see people, you know, that are looking to, you know, grow the business, but they, they're not paying themselves. So I'm a big advocate of paying, paying yourself first, right? You got to, you got to take care of yourself. And, you know, I see people that aren't taking a salary, but they're still paying, you know, a substantial amount of income taxes. And I say, Hey, listen, you know, redirect those dollars to, to pay for yourself. They just can't okay, connect. Dude, let, stop the bus right there. If you can't afford to pay yourself, you're doing something radically wrong with your taxes if yeah. you're paying high taxes. I totally yeah. get if you're not paying any taxes and you're not paying yourself yeah. and you're going, how am I going to pay my staff? And yeah. going, yeah. you're kidding me. I can't put this away. Like to me, that is when I was 
I guess I was 23 when I started my first three businesses, <laughs> three, mm-hmm. and my spouse was running a restaurant. So to me, I, I get that whole mayhem and I get when you don't know what you don't know. And yeah. here's my, if I could, <laughs> if I could tell my younger self anything, what I've learned is that, hmm, well, I'll give you an example in that kind of timeline phase, I needed a car. Like I just, I needed a car to be able to get around in the city that I was in and a single mom had a child under three and went, I just need a car. So I, instead of opting to buy a used car that was going to quote unquote, save me money, I figured I'd buy a new car so that I didn't have any payments. I knew it was going to break down. If it did break down, I'd do it, but I got the cheapest car I could possibly find on the lot. And, and I, devoted to making those payments, even though at the time, I think it was 200 bucks a month, but that was an insane amount for me. $200 mm-hmm. was an insane amount, but I went like, I have to do this in order to be able to get through the day. And somehow, some way that money always came and it was never an issue to make yeah. that payment. It was always still yeah. the issue to pay <laughs> the other, yeah. all the other things that were going on. And kind of, if I knew then what I know now, it's to have all of those payments set up, to have the the essentials taken care of because they do take care of themselves in a weird sort of way. It's it. And it becomes more of a mindset of kind of, okay, that's done. That's compartmentalized. And now I have to take care of this. And then that's where the focus goes is to creating more. It's a really cool thing that happens with the brain that most of us just simply don't understand that. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, that that's spot on. I think you have to, um, you have to know your numbers, like through, through your business, right? There's so many people that are operating that come to us for consulting. And we ask basic question about operating costs, labor costs, you know, food costs, whatever the industry is. And they, they stumble and they can't answer that. And then I go, well, you can't make a educated decision as to how you should save or how you should make some of these other decisions when you have no idea where some of these dollars are going. So, you know, sometimes that's well received. Sometimes it's uh, people get defensive, but like you need to know your numbers. And then the other thing I would say is the biggest risk any of us can take as business owners is being a business owner, right? Like you're taking that leap to invest in yourself and your family, your employees, people you care about. And I see people that do that but again, don't pay themselves or don't pay themselves what they should pay themselves. Um, and they don't, you know, take advantage of the benefits of owning that business for, you know, tax deductibility of certain things, certain living expenses. A lot of people say, well, you know, well, I travel here or there for, for business and, you know, I'm scared to expense it or, you know, I don't write off my phone bill or my gas or there's just little things that people do. And I always go, Hey, listen, you know, ultimately you want to check with your account, your tax counsel, but I like to go up, walk up to the line and stand right there. You don't want to step over the line, but I see so many people that there is no line in taxes. People think there's a line. Yeah. Well, and then technically there's two lines. So there's the black this is black. You cannot yeah. do this. And this yeah. is white. You can absolutely do this. Yeah. And everything in the middle is very gray. Yeah. And you have absolutely. to understand that everything yeah. in the middle, it just needs to be justified. Is it really yeah. going towards your business? And if it really is going to your business, then absolutely write those things off. That's yeah. the whole point yeah. of those laws. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Like, like there's so many people that are petrified of 
you know, going anywhere into that gray area. And I just, you know, I, I sit there and I, I can say, Hey, do you do X, Y, and Z? Like, do you, do you, you know, when you go here or there, like, do you discuss business? Your, your husband and wife, you're both running the business. Like, you know, you, you gotta be able to write off some of the stuff that you're doing and there it's, it's justifiable. Well, and let me explain why there's a gray zone in the tax thing in a way that I think people can understand. So if I owned a dog, um, all right, let's say cat sanctuary, right? Where people bring in their cats and I have strays all over the place. That is my job is to take care of strays and to find them a good home. Everything I do for those cats is right off. The food is right off. The cage is right off. That every, every, everything is right off for those cats. Yeah. If I, as a business coach, have a cat, <laughs> it's a lovely cat and it's a wonderful cat and it's my cat. Mm-hmm. I can't write off its medications, its bedding, its everything. That's why there's a gray area because they don't know what your business is and you have yeah. to define to them what your business is. And if, yeah. it, if it helps you to build your business and grow your business, it is right off. Period. End of story and talk to your tax accountants because those rules may change in the future. God knows yeah, yeah. <laughs> with what's going on right now, a lot of those rules may change, but as of the time of this recording, they are right off. Yeah. You've got to, you know, you've got to swing the bat, so to speak. And again, you're taking on a ton of risk by being a business owner. And if you're not taking advantage of some of those things, you're, you're losing, you're losing big time. And again, most people I say, look, you know, I know there's, you know, IRS agents and they keep uh, pumping up all these, you know, they're, they're coming for us all, but you know, in, in, in all <laughs> reality, the likelihood, as they sound. <laughs> yeah, the likelihood that a small business owner is going to get audited and locked up because they, they bought the cat bed and the medication is, is slim and none. And understand too, that being audited isn't the end of the world. In fact, I thought it was fantastic when, I mean, ours was granted it's Canada and it's only yeah. the GST police, but it was great because all I did is ask them a hundred questions. I was like, Oh, and how does this work? And how does that work? And how does this work? And it was the best education I had yeah. <laughs> on that, on that, on the taxes when they were there because they were there and I could ask them whatever I wanted to. So that was fantastic. But I want to go back to your point on paying yourself first. So I have heard that since I was about 17 and I have in the last 30 or so years come to the realization that people mean different things by that. So when you say that, what do you mean by it? Um, I, I mean that, um, you know, again, if you're working in a business, you should be taking a salary. Um, a lot of people don't do that. They're scared. They say, Hey, you know what? I've got to get the, get the business, you know, supremely profitable before I do that. My wife helps. I see that all the time. My wife or my husband helps in the business and basically works here semi full-time, but we don't pay them. He, they work for free. And again, then I look at the bottom line when we get down to the, to the tax return and they're paying taxes. So I say, Hey, look, you know, you've got, you've got your spouse in the business that's helping you, but you're not paying them. Sometimes they have their kids, key employees, other family members in the business, and they're not paying them. And ultimately they're paying, you know, the IRS. I said, you know, take care of your, your key people and your family members pay them and deduct that from your, you know, gross adjusted income. And, you know, that's more money in your pocket um, for, for today. Social security credits. If you've got a business and you've got like a, a qualified plan, people don't understand. Well, okay, well I've got that plan, but I don't have enough dollars to put into it. 
um, and they don't take advantage of of putting those dollars away for their you know for themselves for their key employees for the family members and tax deducting that um, and ultimately lowering their taxable income and there's a whole other slew of good you know tax planning ideas that we could go down a rabbit hole um, and discuss that people don't take advantage of but um, that's that's kind of what I mean I I see that so often where either they're not paying themselves or not paying themselves what they should be paying themselves. Right. Well, and I also, and again, at the time of this recording, so go and check with your tax accounts. But if you are working for your company and you're not paying yourself out, you should still be invoicing the company because that then becomes an account payable to the company that yeah. still comes off of the records. And instead of going into taxes first, it goes into your accounts receivable first, and then therefore it becomes write-off. Now, of yep. course, I totally get you got to balance everything with the T's and all that kind of fun jazz. Make sure that you still got cash flow. But look into that because it is really silly to not put that in as an invoice. There's only what I can think of two extreme circumstances where you would not want to have those invoices um, laid out for your company. But most yep. companies aren't going through that. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, a ton of times you see people that are spending their own personal time and money doing stuff related to the business and they don't take the time to invoice the business and, and they just, they're losing. Exactly. Like, why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> That's the yeah. whole point is when the money comes, then you pay it off, but you yeah. need that paper trail Live through your business. People don't understand. Live through your business. Like you have, you're taking on a ton of risk. You should be living through your business and there's a lot of good things. Well, off camera after this recording, we'll, we'll get into some real specific stuff. I don't know <laughs> if we should put on tape, but we'll get the ins and outs. So talk to me about right now about the idea of what well, one um, life insurance outside of a business and life insurance inside the business. So if somebody is married, let's say hypothetically, just because it's 90% of the situations, husband's going out running the business and the family is dependent on that income. Mm -hmm. Do they pay for the insurance uh, outside with post uh, salary dollars or do they pay for it inside the company with um, revenue dollars? So that's, uh, that's a good question. And this is another like little bit of a gray area question and it depends <laughs> on like the, circum the circumstances. <laughs> so when you pay for life insurance, technically you pay with after tax dollars and your death benefit is completely tax free, right? So it's simple if you've got, you know, the, the prime income earner or both you guys are, or valuable to the family. And if, if your income stream is cut off by the unforeseen and you pass away, those tax-free dollars come in. Um, and then the spouse puts them in their, you know, checking account. So we always have that conversation. I'll kind of start there first before I go down the business road, but a lot of people don't understand, Hey, I've got, you know, what's my true need for death benefit? You know, a lot of people say, well, I make two, three, 400 a year. I'll buy a million, you know, I'll do a million dollar policy for my spouse and she'll be fine. It's a million dollars. And they don't realize that when you factor in mortgage, kids' expenses, other liabilities and leftover, that's not going to get your spouse very far. Um, also, if that tax-free death benefit comes in, you know, your spouse is now subject to predators, creditors, 
divorce, you know, she could, she or he could go remarry, you know, two days later. And now that million dollars is subject to, you know, subject to divorce and you can kind of disinherit your kids when you thought that was a good idea. So sometimes depending on the situation, we'll talk about like a irrevocable life insurance trust um, where those dollars would come, come in and your spouse would have access to them but they, um, they're not sitting in their checking account where now they're subject to all those other risks there. And you can appoint a trustee that you care about. Now, if you get into the business side of things, sometimes we see um, where, you know, you might have, you know, you might treat the business owner um, as like a key employee, right? So you could say, hey, it's a legitimate expense. They're a key employee. I'm going to pay, pay with it um, through, through taxable dollar or through after-tax dollars within the business, um, and then try to write that off. So if it's a if it's a term policy, it's not a big deal. But if somebody's really trying to use that as a legitimate write-off expense, and it's some type of like permanent or cash value type policy, it kind of defeats the purpose because you go and take the write-off, but the the cash or dollars that you're now accumulating in this life insurance investment account that's on the balance sheet of the company, you don't really get those dollars, um, the benefit of that. So sometimes we'll see people that, you know, the the owner um, of the policy might be the might be the business, but the beneficiary would be outside the company. Uh, another thing that kind of comes up a lot is um, like buy-sell agreements, if you've got a partner in a business, right? So there's kind of two two ways to to skin the cat there. Um, oftentimes there's like a cross sell buy sell agreement where you've got two partners and let's just say they're 50, 50, um, partners and they have an equal amount of death benefit on each other. And they'll just have the business own the, the life insurance there. If one of them should die, um, and those death benefit dollars come in within the business, they can they can truly buy out the partner, but they don't receive a, a step up in basis on on those dollars coming in. And if they go to sell, sell the company, they're ultimately going to pay on that gain there. So we we typically encourage um, a cross sell arrangement where the business partners own the policy on each other. Um, and the benefit would go directly out to the spouse versus coming the dollars coming into the company. Okay. And for those who don't know, what's a step up in basis? So a step up in basis is um, the basis in your company or asset, anything you own, house, business, anything. You've got, you know, essentially the money that you um, started the business with, right? So you could say, hey, here's the cost. We bought this property. Here's the here's the business, and ultimately. Um, when you pass away with that particular asset, there's there's typically a date of death assessment on what that value is. And when and if you go to sell that asset, you want that basis to be as high as possible. So your taxable gain is as minimal as possible. Um, so what we see in that regard with that with that life insurance is, yeah, if they don't get that step up in basis on that, insurance value, they, they kind of lose in that scenario. So yeah, the step up in basis is, um, you know, and, uh, again, if you're, if you have that business over time and you're doing things effectively, like we talked, talked about a few minutes ago, you're depreciating the value of the business. So your taxable base basis may be X, 
but we're taking deductions to save money and in income taxes along the way. So it's lowering your basis in that asset. So it's really important to understand that basis figure um, when you go to, to sell that asset. So let's use super hyper <laughs> simplistic numbers. Say you went into your business, your business is worth a dollar a share each. Yeah, you get to the point where you build it up and it's now worth a hundred dollars each. Yeah. Uh, then which one is your basis point? What are you taking up and down? Just use that as an example. Yeah. So in super vanilla terms, your original basis is what you put into that, right? So depending on your tax bracket, let's just say roughly, you know, 20%, you're going to get taxed 20% on your original basis based on that share price. So I think you said what, $1 to $100. Let's just go yeah, super so gonna, simple math. Yeah. So <laughs> you're going to pay, math. you know, at least at least 20%, 20 to 30% in taxes on that dollar amount, that new $100 dollar amount. And oftentimes, um, yeah, people don't, don't really understand that. It's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. You own the business, you want to depreciate everything you're doing along the way to shelter income taxes. But then when you go to sell the business, you got to understand what played everything because <laughs> then you can get dinged on the back end. So there's, there's some good advanced planning strategies, but there's, there's, you know, it's, you want to be wealth. It needs to be well thought out. You need to have advisors that are going to, you know, consult with you and give you the ramifications of all those decisions. And it's, you know, it's fantastic if you grow a business to that, you know, to that point in time, but you really want to understand, you know, what the tax impact is going to be. You know, I think the moral of this story is regardless of whether or not you have a partner and you have a very savvy business or you have a family run business and you're just there to make some money, you still need to understand all of these things because, the tax department understands all of these things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On, on that. And, and just, you know, again, I know we're talking businesses, but like yeah. if you've got, you know, stock accounts with a low basis, you know, you got family members that bought Apple stock, you know, decades ago and they, they gift you this stock. It, you know, it's great. Um, same thing with real estate. A lot of people inherit real estate or, or gifted real estate um, for a discounted cost over, you know, parents lifetime, and they don't understand that, hey, you know, we might go and sell it, but you inherit your, your original parents basis years ago. So the way the tax law is written right now is upon death, you know, if you're, if your um, parents still own that asset, and then you inherit it, you get that date of death or up to date basis. Um, so if you had a million dollar piece of property, and you're Parents bought it for a million dollars and they gift it to you for, you know, peanuts or a hundred thousand dollars. And they, and then your parents pass away. You still have that hundred thousand dollar basis. And if you go sell that for a million dollars, you're going to pay an arm and a leg in taxes where alternatively, if the parents died with the asset that they paid a hundred thousand for, and now it's worth a million, your basis is now a million date of death when the parents die. So you could sell that property and pay next to nothing in income taxes. Same thing with stock, same thing with jewelry, artwork, you know, anything that's out there. And of course, again, consult with your tax department because of course in Canada, that is different if it's farmland, if it's um, property land. Yeah, I land, forgot, I'm talking U US land. terms. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And we could get into so much stuff with this, but I uh -huh. love talking about this. But Give us an example of a Cinderella story of one of your clients. 
Um, it's, it's good. Let's see. Um, and of course, in this whole realm of things, so, yeah, Cinderella story. Keep in mind, people, as he's thinking about an example, usually Cinderella ends up in the in the happy in the castle. Um, yeah, of course, yeah. when it comes to financial services, Cinderella is yeah, probably not around anymore. <laughs> there's there's a lot of good stories. I, I it's hard for me to pick just one, but um, you know, I've got a client that um is in the elevator business, and we've been working with him for um probably twenty five years. So this this actually happened a, a little bit before we got involved, but um, he was I think eighteen years old, and his father died in a elevator accident and he yeah he was in high school he dropped that well, I think he graduated high school didn't go to college came into this business that was it was successful but not you know not ultra successful um and he just worked his tail off to to kind of grow this business we do a lot of stuff for him in terms of estate planning life insurance planning money management buy sell agreement he's got a few minor partners now but he um he ultimately took a business that was probably worth, you know, $5 million on a good day. And um, he got an offer last year for about 120 million on that business. And he works like a dog. He it's, I'm, I'm lucky if I can get him on the phone, I, I said, we need to meet. And he's never ever available because he's chasing it so hard. But that's, that's a story I think about where he probably had everything stacked against him. And he really took a business that was, you know, you know, successful, but could have folded easily at that point in time and, and took it to another level. But there's, you know, there's definitely a, a number of, um, number of, uh, situations like that, that I can kind of, uh, you know, discuss or talk about a lot of, a lot of great clients, a lot of great industries. Okay. Hey, so what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be having right now in their life or their business thinking, Oh my God, Frank, I need you so badly. Um, you know, I would just say it, perseverance, like just don't, don't, don't give up. Like you're, you're going to have a lot more um, hurdles and issues than, than victories, especially early on. And one of the things like several of my mentors told me early on is like, until they, you know, lock the doors on you and you're down to your last dollar where you can't, you can no longer go on like, don't give up. Like, it's the easiest thing to say, you know what, I'm just going to give up. I'm going to, I'm going to fold it up, but nobody got successful. Um, you know, not, not working for it. And, um, it's, it's easiest thing is to, to look at our, um, you know, trials and tribulations and just say, Hey, you know what, I, I I'm out of it. I'm out of energy. I just want to give up and, and fold. Um, so I would just say that, you know, it's it's critical that you get the right um, people on your team to talk to and guide you along the way. But you're definitely going to run into some some issues. Um, so I would just say, you know, do not give up. Um, you know, keep pushing forward. And um, you know, I think if you've got the right idea and the right partners, like anything can happen. Well, I I think that. Anybody that's going through struggles in business, one, you're not in business if you're not going through struggles. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. let's get that one straight. And two, it's always a good time to connect with with you to be able to have a discussion about where 
where your business is, what are the your options, what are the pitfalls that you're not potentially looking at. Because um, I know once upon a time when I thought I was inevitable or I was invincible, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. I didn't see the word inevitable. I saw invincible and yeah. didn't take care of a lot of things that sh should have been taken care of. And uh, things would have been a lot easier along the way had I taken care of those mm -hmm. valleys while I was in the peaks. So yeah. uh, I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How do they start that journey with you? Um, I would say check us out on our website, www.revxwealth.com. So revxwealth.com. Um, you can go on there, send us an email, talk. You know, again, we, we have... Um, you know, coming from the restaurant business, I was used to working 24 seven. So I answer my phone 24 seven. I answer emails to the chagrin of my wife and um, everybody around me is always yelling at me because I'm always on my phone. But like, you know, no time is a bad time to contact us for the simplest of questions. Like we're not going to charge you a fee to answer a question or, you know, there's no strings attached, but I, I'm, I can promise you if you reached out to us and had a question, we could create value. And, and if we can't answer the question for some reason, we can point you in the right direction. I love it. So we will of course have all of Frank's links in the show notes. So go ahead and scroll down, click on the links and open up in a new browser. Cause of course we're not done yet. So Frank, I get to ask you at what point in life did you know that you were special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Um, I, I, I knew early on that I, that I could be an entrepreneur, but again, sometimes you go down that road and you realize, Hey, you need to pivot. And I realized at age probably 28 that I did not want to be in the restaurant business anymore. And I, 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 it honestly took me a, a several years to get out because, um, my father had done that and he just, he had kind of groomed us to take over the business. And I just, I had to tell him, I just, I didn't love it and it was destroying my personal life. And, uh, so I walked away from that and got into, you know, this, you know, financial planning slash real estate business. And, um, you know, it, it was challenging. I, I, I used to say I felt good on a Friday afternoon and by Monday morning, I was scared to death that we didn't have enough going on there. Um, so I would say, you know, find something you're passionate about. If you don't love what you're doing, you don't love your business, like you're probably gonna gonna fail. But if you do love your business, you love what you're doing, you love the people you're working with, like just <clears throat> do not do not give up. Keep pushing forward. But um I, I would say I always knew I I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I didn't want to work for somebody else. And um, you know, there was there was days where you know I had next to no money. I was doing cash advance cash advances on 10 different credit cards just to pay my bills. And um, I look back on that and can kind of say, you know what, today's not that bad. I've been through a lot. And uh, I think it's important to like self-reflect. I get up, get up every morning and do like positive affirmation stuff. And then like, as I'm winding down my day, driving home, like I might, I might have to search, but I'm going to find one or two things that were positive about the day and say, okay, I'm going to focus on that instead of the 10 negatives. And I think it keeps you mentally positive um, with all the stuff you're navigating. I love it. You've been absolutely fantastic. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it immensely. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Nice speaking with you. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show, share it with your friends. 
We love helping entrepreneurs grow. Are you running a business over seven figures but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.